You're listening to the Real Estate Investing Podcast with Dante Belmonte, here to help you start or continue your journey in real estate. Each episode, we bring you a different expert real estate investor who will share the secrets to their success so you can learn and benefit from their experience. Let's jump right into it. Welcome, welcome everyone to the Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am Dante Belmonte. I just want to take a quick moment before we got started to thank anyone that's listening. You've made it this far through my podcast. I really appreciate that. Fairly new to doing all this, but I think we uh, are off to a good start. So today's guest is Jamie Arnold. Jamie, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself, please? Yeah. Hey, Dante. Uh, appreciate you having me on, man. It's uh, great being a guest on your uh, podcast. I look forward to uh, talking to your, uh, uh, your listeners. Yeah, so uh, Jamie Arnold here. A um, little bit about myself. I just started doing real estate investing about March of 2018. I've been in the corporate world pretty much since uh, college, really. Uh, I, I graduated in about 05, and I've been doing uh, network engineering for about 15, 20 years now. And um, I pretty much uh, had that itch where I, I knew I wanted to create other sources of income for the family. Uh, you know, the job is great, but the boss walked in says, hey, you're fired, uh, I'm pretty much gonna start all over again. So for me, I decided that I wanted to try to create other sources and real estate is something I gravitated towards. Uh, so yeah, we can talk a little bit more about how, how I got from there to here. Okay, awesome, very cool. So tell us about the uh, style of investing you have. Yeah, sure. Um, so initially, you know, I did do a little bit of um, stock market stuff, but like I think everybody else is mostly just 401k. So that was one piece of the investing. Um, but when I wanted to look into real estate, I started researching uh, residential. And I know the most traditional path people go is they uh, they'll, they'll pretty they'll pretty much grab like a residential property, a single family, you know, duplex, something like that, and they'll just sort of build up to it, and then they'll right. try to grow and grow and grow. Well, as I sat down and kind of did that math, I, I realized that I probably have to own a lot of single family, you know, residential properties potentially. Um, I would have to dedicate a lot of time. My family does have experience. Uh, my brother's a general contractor. I've worked on houses for many, many years. So I do know, you know, how much work has to go into them, you know, fixing right. them up, maintaining them, all that fun stuff. Um, so my, my thought process sort of skipped residential completely. And I started wanted to see if there was something that was more scalable and faster. So I kind of hopped right into the apartment aspect of it. Um, and then I gravitated more towards syndication as I learned more about it. And I just decided to see if there's something I could do. Okay. So you, you, you took the more uh, faster scale approach than someone else, someone that's going, you know, property by property, you're, you're scaling much quicker than someone else would be to, to gain more units. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So you and I, we met uh, last year cause you host a multifamily event in, in the, t uh, in the city we're from, um, yeah. which you do an awesome job with. Love it. Love going there. Lots of great networking that goes on there. Cause there's lots of different investors. And that's where I met my commercial lender that I've been doing some uh, loans with, which is very cool. So tell us how many deals have you done to date so far? Um, tell us a little bit about what your portfolio looks like altogether. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Uh, ironically, uh, you caught me on a good day. <laughs> I actually closed on a 24 unit apartment complex today Nice. Uh, so here in upstate, uh, upstate New York. So we were thrilled about that one. Um, and then I actually helped syndicate a 60 unit apartment complex down in Ithaca, New York uh, that, that me and my business partner actually found as well. Uh, so, so far we're up to 84 units uh, as like GP uh, proportional. Right, general partner in it, yep. Yeah. I also have about 1,022 units in my self-directed IRA. Uh, I invested in two separate syndications uh, with my self-directed uh, IRA just to kind of gain more experience and get a feel for how that process works. 
No, yeah, of course. So did you do that with your self-directed IRA before you did your own syndications, I would imagine? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, okay. I did a lot of networking. Uh, when I started in 2018, I pretty much got right into syndication. I say around April, I went through some training courses. I actually went through Michael Block. I did his uh, video course, which I, I highly recommend. Any kind of mentoring and any kind of education you could do, I highly recommend. Um, it really cut down my learning curve really fast, which helped me a lot. Uh, so I just started taking action. I basically just started looking around for different apartment complexes and trying to see what I could find and what opportunities were out there. And uh, that took me to directly to the owners or the property manager of that property. Okay. Yeah. I think Michael Blanc runs a really strong and really good program. I read his book, the the financial freedom book, the the yellowish green one. Um, yeah. And that was really good because that was my, my first exposure, so to speak, to syndication. And I really didn't know it existed because when you're driving by, you see these large apartment complexes yeah. or these, you know, these big buildings, you're like, man, how does one person own those? And they right. really don't. It's typically a bunch of wealthier individuals or people that have some money that pool it together for that quote unquote syndication, which is very cool. So, you know, things you, you just don't think about, especially if you're not looking in the real estate world. The cool thing I like about you, and no offense to you, but like, you know, you're, you're an average Joe. You have your job, you do I your know, thing, it's great. <laughs> but, but you invest, which is super cool. And I think a lot of people on this podcast can relate with that. Out of those two syndication deals that you've done or the first syndication, and this one was more like a general partner, a GP deal that you closed today. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the first one, kind of how you found the deal, how you got funding for it, the whole process? Please go right ahead. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so essentially me and my business partner, well, I guess uh, really where it stemmed from is networking. Like you were saying earlier, you really have to get out there. You got to meet people. Uh, you got to let them know what you're trying to do, uh, what you're about and what you're looking for. So a gentleman that I met probably a few weeks before comes up to me several weeks later and says, hey, I know you're interested in uh, buying an apartment complex. Uh, I have a lead on a 60 unit that I know somebody might be interested in selling. Okay. So he went and proceeded to get the uh, T12, the trailing 12, the profits and loss sheet, and the current rent roll. And me and my local business partner, we uh, crunched the number, looked at it, and go, okay, let's, let's go down and check this out. Uh, so that started that path. Uh, from the point, just to give you an idea, sometimes you got to put a, a patient hat on when it comes to real estate. Um, mm -hmm. we, uh, we closed on that in October of last year, in 2019. And I think I first started talking to that owner or that property manager in July of 2018. So it just, it just well, shows you yeah. like how long it could take to build up that entire process before you Especially might in New York State. I know it's a little longer in New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually the same thing applies with the 24 unit uh, for today. I actually, I think that same month, I actually called up that owner, which was July 2018. And we just closed on it today. So it, it really goes to show that... You, Sometimes things just don't happen so fast. I know we, we listen to a lot of other syndicators and stuff and they see how much, how many different properties they might purchase in, in a year. Um, but there are times when it just doesn't go that quick. And uh, if you, if you set, have your eyes set on a property that makes sense, it just might take some time before you actually can, can close and own it. Of um, so the one that we syndicated, you know, this process kind of dragged out. We, we basically looked at the numbers. We kind of threw a number over to the property manager he was the middleman for the owner of the asset, which lived in Florida. So that was another thing too. I know the syndicators sometimes try to get you to target properties that maybe an owner is out of state. That, mm -hmm. So <clears throat> that, that happened to be the situation here as well. So long story short, um, we got down to a certain number and I, I, uh, I wasn't totally sure if 
if that's something that might work. Uh, so I actually took the deal, me and my business partner, and decided to um, create a different situation where instead of having nothing happen, we basically looked at it and said, no, is there a possibility that we can still make some money from this? And then we can just bring this deal to somebody else. Kind of like pretty much a bird dog in a, in a sense. Right. So we had um, a business relationship with someone in mind um, that we took the property to. And uh, they, they sure enough had a lot of interest in it. And long story short, you know, they ended up syndicating the property and we were able to put um, our, our actual bird dog fee in on the LP side, but we were also able to raise some capital for it. So we're also on the GP side at the same time. Nice. So that's kind of how that, how that worked out. But that was definitely a long process to get done in New York State, I, I found. <laughs> right. And I know who the, the gentleman you brought it to. And so I was actually just reading his book uh, yesterday. And yeah, Ryan Murray. Yeah, yeah. And as of he goes, as of this reading, I've never done a syndication myself. And I was like, Oh, well, I know you have, you know, <laughs> for his book, uh, crushing in an apartment and commercial uh, real estate, which is a phenomenal book. He just breaks it all down. So He's an awesome well. guy too. Great, great personality. Uh, that's, that's definitely something I, that me and uh, my business partner, Bill Keast, were trying to do is locate somebody in our area that already did syndications. So uh, that's definitely something I recommend if you, if you live in a populated area where you can kind of look around and see if there's anybody nearby you that already has done syndications and just sit down and have a conversation with them and see if there's any way you can help each other out. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, typically it's not one syndicator or one GP. There's usually one, two, three, there, there's, there's a few more that all work together because they have this like yeah. mine for that property. Talk to me a little bit about how the numbers work, such as a, a cap rate that you purchase that or a cash on cash sure. return. Talk to me a little bit about the number standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So this property, um, so to give you a little history on what was happening and why we chose to go after it is, um, I, I'm sure you're, you're probably familiar with the Ithaca area, you know, being mm -hmm. here in real estate, you know, and it's definitely grown quite a bit over the last couple of years for sure. There's still a lot of development that's going on down there. So this property isn't directly in the city. It's just outside. If you're looking west or just go past the river, and it's right there. Um, and the, the owner built, I think, a couple thousand units on the East Coast uh, over the years, and then he passed away. So this property was basically um, you know, benefited to all the beneficiaries. So it was a group of people. Mm -hmm. And I think basically what they did is they sort of just decided to pick which assets they wanted to milk and what assets they wanted to invest in. And this is a property that they basically milked for the most part. They, they weren't really putting any capital back into the to the asset. All right, it wasn't being run properly. So I'm sure there's lots of deferred maintenance, uh, exactly. delinquencies, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there was definitely some opportunity there from a rent perspective as well is because every time they decide not to invest, you know, the quality of the tenant or the mm -hmm. quality of, of the situation of the tenant. So it became more of a government assisted um, uh, housing environment where about 70, 75% of the property was actually uh, assisted to live in of some sort. So um, but when you look at the rents, you can clearly see that there's a huge difference between what your typical one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, uh, and what, what, what they're asking for compared to what actually Ithaca. Right, the market rent in that in that area. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we, our goal really wasn't really to try to recapture all of that um, because that would require a really large uh, sum uh, sum of money to dump into the, to the asset itself and completely either remodel the entire thing and try to go after a completely different tenant class. Uh, so for us, um, this syndication 
it was really more decided to just sit there and look at it from the perspective of let's just keep the same tenants. You know, let's, let's put in a better property management company that can run the asset. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that, you know, we have a good uh, screening process. And then let's go in and systematically just revamp the rooms and renovate rooms until we can start to recapture um, some of that uh, market spread that, that, that we saw. Okay. So that's kind of the business plan for that. Um, and, you know, overall, it, it's uh, the other thing we had them do is we were able to get some of the roofs replaced before we even closed on the property, uh, which was nice. So there's brand new roofs on three of the, three of the buildings. Which, which uh, is pretty slowly. big, yeah. Yeah, uh, the roofs can be kind of a challenging one, too. Um, you know, especially depending on where you are, and you may have a hard time trying to secure roofers and, and contractors, depending on the kind of area you're in. So that was always right. nice to have done and completed. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the, just the, really the history of the property itself. Uh, it's kind of just bringing it up to a, a, a better standard um, asset. And then what we're going to be able to do with it, which I'm pretty confident of this, we've already had several different people interested in, in it and wanting to purchase it. So uh, I, I'm sure once we're done executing our business plan, just pretty much just add value to it, show that there's plenty of meat left on the bone, but show this is clearly a, a process that you could finish repeating if you like. You could right. either finish the rest of the units or you could come in and do a much larger lift and change the tenant class if you want to. But either way, there's still be plenty of meat on the bone that they can they can make plenty of, plenty of profit off it themselves as well. That's good. So, yeah. Okay, so uh, what did you, what was the uh, cap rate that you guys purchased it at? Because obviously that's not your overall cap rate. Once you added value, increased the NOI, yeah. that cap cap rate also went with it. Yeah, that cap rate I think was around the seven-ish, Seven, seven point two in that range. Um, so yeah, and then I think once we're done creating the uh, value add prospect of it, I'm pretty confident that I, have, I haven't looked at the numbers in a little bit actually, but I would say that they're probably closer into that, you know, uh, high nine, somewhere in that nine range, eight nine. Yeah. Range. So let's say you raise it up to a nine, but you wanted to sell it back at what you bought it at seven percent. You're you're just increasing the value of that property. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Quite much. Yeah. So uh, talk to me a little bit about investors, their returns, the cash on cash, that, that side of them. Or now that we know the cap rate, we know the history of the property, talk to me a little bit about uh, returns on the property. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, the typical syndications that you see now, it's kind of becoming very common to have like that preferred return that's put in there. Um, mm-hmm. And then most investors are trying to, you know, look at it from the perspective of doubling their investors' money in, in some set time frame. Um, so in New York State, you know, we typically like to, if I'm, if I'm a part of a syndication, I like to kind of look at it from a 10-year perspective. Okay. You know, it's a different market up here. Um, excuse me. So you just got to understand your market. And up here, we know that this isn't like Dallas, Fort Worth, where you just have this phenomenal appreciation in a short period. Right. We don't have much of that. Yeah, we don't have that. I mean, this is we more cash flow like crazy, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a cash flow market for sure, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's a good thing. It's just, uh, it's a different model. And you just have to make sure you underwrite towards that. And you're, you'll get your steady probably like 2% or so, maybe three uh, of um, a value add you know, each year. That's pretty much where it is. Um, so so as long as you understand that, then those, those are the things that go into those numbers when you do your performa. But um, so yeah, so back to your question really. So an 8% preferred return is what we, we put into that syndication. And then okay. really exit basically on that whole period. You know, you're looking to try to 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 two uh, extra investors uh, capital. Now, are you doing that uh, doubling their money by doing refinances to give back to the investors, or just the sale of the property, or overall the investment on the return? Yeah, so we kind of modeled in the refinance like you're on the three year side, 
And, okay, uh, yeah, I see that again, typically three up, to five year. Yeah, and then this was more done on uh, Brian's partner that he worked with a lot that he kind of he managed and ran the entire communication aspect. So, and he was also a mortgage broker, so it helps. His name is uh, Derek. So he actually he actually uh, put the entire modeling and stuff together and and ran a lot of those numbers. Um, so he's probably um, more closer to all the different ways of how he wants to approach it. But overall, the syndication is, has, does have a refinance around year three, which I think is completely achievable, probably even sooner. But Especially you know, if you're adding value, like you said. Yeah, exactly. So just take a conservative approach to it, and um, I think it's, it just makes it a, a lot more practical to, to reach your target numbers. Okay. As far as the lending standpoint goes, talk to me about the terms of the, uh, the mortgage you have on this property, the debt that you have. Yeah, so this is kind of the cool part about depending on what you're trying to do in your business plans. Um, now, I know that most people, when you get to that million dollar and above from a loan perspective, they have the ability to go to you know, Fannie and Freddie, um, but you still have the ability to also use your local banks. And some of the community banks here are trying to get into larger properties, so they will finance stuff that's a few million dollars for sure, without a lot of it. Um, so in that situation, what we were able to do is we were able to do um, do 80% for the LTV, but they also were able to cover up 75% of some of the construction costs to, to, to repair the property as well. Oh, wow. Okay. So, it's nice. You know, you're not really going to get terms like that unless you try to do other, other things from like bridges and, you know, and then, but local banks can, can do those types of things for you, which is nice. Right. So, That's why it's so important to have a relationship with them and build a relationship with a local credit union bank or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ideally a lot of people don't like the recourse, non-recourse aspect um, when they can do, uh, can do Fannie and Freddie and they can be non-recourse depending on you know, paper, of course, you really read the fine print. Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, I think the, the local banks also know these markets really well because mm -hmm. they're, they're stations here. So you know, they're, they're actually a pretty good person to find a team when you're looking at all their options for, you know, for loans. But right. yeah, that's a 10 year term. Um, but so a 10 year term is in that when the balloon payments do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amortized over, I think it was 30, but it is a 10 year. Okay. 30. That, that's good. Cause typically I see in commercial, I see 25, 20. So 30 is pretty good though. It probably helped for cash flow. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is. I think it's just a favorable model. I'm sure once we refi the property out, I mean, there's tons of options. I mean, you can go to Fannie and Freddie, you can do lots of different things. Um, you know, and, and the, the rates really haven't been, going crazy at all so it's who knows what it might be a year or two from now but i don't think it doesn't seem like they're going to be astronomical so even a refinance is not going to be right either. yeah are you guys uh, on a five-year arm or is it like what's what's the rate and is it adjustable for that loan yeah no i'm pretty confident it was a fixed rate uh i had to look at the paperwork i don't actually remember exactly what it was but okay um, that's nice in the fours i'm pretty sure yeah so locking in a low rate like that for i mean Obviously, you're going to refinance after three years, but still three years of a, a low locked-in rate that definitely yeah. helps. Yeah. Um, so yeah. for the investors you guys had in this deal, where, where did you find them from? And what was the minimum number you guys had to invest for these investors? What was the minimum you asked for? Yeah, this one was 50000 It's kind of standard that you're seeing around across the mm -hmm. board. Lots of indicators. That's the number that you look for. Um, there, in the initial stages, we were thinking about doing um, a 506B. Um, but there was a certain point where we felt like, you know, we would have to, uh, reach out to other people that we didn't have existing relationships with. So in our SEC documents, we did the 506 C for accredited investors only. Okay. So, yeah. So when to answer your question, I mean, that's, that opens up the gates of how you can 
uh, you can actually meet people and actually get people into the deals. Uh, so this allows you to do different types of, of soliciting, essentially. Right. So lots of networking to get those investors in through the 506C standpoint versus the 506B. Right. Um, yep. For the listeners that don't understand what we're talking about when we say 506B versus 506C, it's basically how you can find or reach out to the investor, whether there's uh, prior relationships or there aren't, and whether they're an accredited investor or not being uh, worth of a, a certain net worth or a certain amount to invest. Yeah. Uh, that's that's where we're getting that from <laughs> for those people that don't <laughs> understand what we're talking about, just numbers and letters. Right. Um What's the, uh, what's the end goal for you or what is the goal that you have set in front of you that you're looking for? Is there not really one in place at the moment? Um, just like my personal or, or in regards to the property? Um, it, personal for yourself as far as what yeah. you want to do for syndications sure. or investing. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, you know, for me, I, I think really I'm looking at it from a, a couple of step approach. You know, step one really is I, I'd like to be able to get out of my W2 job so I can focus on things like this full time. Mm-hmm. So the first goal really would be is how do I create cash flow so I can achieve that goal as fast as possible. So whether it's doing syndications, whether it's even buying duplexes if I have to, so be it. <laughs> um, right. I prefer to stick with the larger stuff I mean, because the economies of scale and the, and the way the numbers work are so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also recognize that if I could allocate more time to uh, certain things like this, then I could probably progress even faster. So, but for me, really, I, I'm going to look at any and all options that I can to try to achieve that goal of being able to get financially free enough so I can get away from the W2 job and do this uh, on a full-time basis. Okay. That, that, that works wonderfully. So for, for this property, for the pro- the two properties that you have, talk to me about property management as far as, uh, rate that what they're charging as a percentage of gross income and where are you hiring these people out from? Yeah, sure. So the property management company, uh, we actually use a professional management company down in Ithaca uh, that's been doing business about 20 years or so down in that area. So they're pretty familiar with that market. Um, um, but up here, actually, in the 24 unit, we're just going to self-manage it. I think uh, my business partners own already several units. Some of them own over 20 for sure. Some of them own commercial property. So our initial conversations were, let's just see if we can self-manage it. Um, we, the, the property doesn't have a lot of turnover. You know, current owners said that there's mm-hmm. a lot of calls that come in. So we were like, well, let's just try it out for a year one and get a feel for the property anyway. And then we'll know that uh, based on our time we've allocated versus just using a property management company, if it's really a, a benefit or, or of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's very important. What you said is, you know, for the first year, get a feel of the property. I think that's definitely important because when you close on this property, you know, you don't have the opportunity to just go in and do whatever, especially if you have a property management company, you're not that hands-on. So yeah. being there for the first year, it gives you a feel to overlook, um, you know, what's the situation with the tenants, where are the delinquencies coming from instead of using that middleman. I think that's very important because a lot of people, as soon as they close on a property, it goes right under property management. And yeah. with that, you're, you're missing a lot of figures overall. Now you you have a little bit more uh, accurate information on the financials besides just getting an email at the end of the month, seeing what the financials are. And you're um, definitely being more hands-on like you guys are being, you'll see uh, much more success in that property. So I think that's huge. Yeah. I mean, and I also think that, you know, and it's a 24 unit size, that's a doable thing still. I mean, that's Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, and you know, you can still even do a little more. It just depends on again, your team and who you have on, on your mm-hmm. team. If it was just me, I'm not, not that, not that wealthy, but if it was just me. I would, <laughs> I would put a property management in place because I want to free up that time. 
but because of my partnerships that I have for that property, I'm okay with that that approach. Um, well, when you start getting to like 60, you know, that's not practical. I mean, you want to have a professional uh, team in there that does this. Uh, and this that's, that's what the career jobs are. This is what they do. Of course, yeah. Uh, and that's, that makes it a little better. So, so most likely when I uh, syndicate the next deal, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I get the next deal, um, if it is more local in this area, then you know I'll, I'll potentially look at leveraging uh, that those relationships to say, could I take a property management company on this new property and then mm-hmm. stand up to also do the 24 unit as well, because now the numbers can get dropped a little bit more because you're providing more units to the property manager. And right, you as, you're, as you're scaling up that percentage of the gross income really comes down is what I've been told with the syndication aspect of things. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly, yep. And I mean, for let's say for that 24 unit, because you guys are self-managing it, the nice thing is, is you're also saving that on that gross income for that yeah. first year, you're not hiring property management, which gives you guys time to get on your feet, use that money to invest back into the property rather than yeah. invest someone that's watching over the property. So I think that's pretty cool. What is the uh, percentage that they're taking a gross income on the 60 unit? <laughs> uh, if I remember correctly offhand, I want to say that was close to either, it was either six or seven i gotta check okay no that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah i mean it's a it's a a good size property uh but i mean they have a a, lots of other units in that area so it's just something to add so i think the key part too is when you're trying to find a property manager you know are they are are they your competitor or not you know it's really good to understand that yeah that's huge too yeah yeah so in this situation these guys these guys weren't so that that helps a lot so what i mean by that is some property managers own real estate Investment mm-hmm. themselves, so you have, you're not really sure they whose property they're going to rent out first. They're both vacant. <laughs> they are, yeah. you kind of be careful with that kind of stuff. I mean, sometimes, sometimes these these uh, companies unfortunately do that, but they might be charging you for stuff that they're doing someplace else. So that's huge. You don't really hear about that. So you li- if you listen to a lot of podcasts or read a lot of books, you don't actually hear about being careful with who you have for your property management because that's so true. Yeah. They could have if you're in an area where there are a bunch of buildings complexes. They could very well own one across the street. And if someone's saying, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm looking for rent. Well, well, don't look at that one. Come check out this one first. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I actually talked to an investor not long ago and that's, that was happening to him. Uh, they kind of, they figured it out and they were looking at certain things on their paperwork and they're just like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. And then they asked that next question of do they own something else. <laughs> yeah. If they eventually realized that that was, that's what was going on. That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So, eh, you know, it's, it's it is a this business. Is a yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> this is so you know. Whenever I tell people you're not a landlord, you you're running a business. So you gotta really- it, it is. It's not a hobby. It's a business. So get ready to treat it as a job. Get organized and do it right. Acquisition for the property. When you guys close on, do you guys charge an acquisition fee for the GPs, the general partners, um, or is that something that you? I know some people put the the acquisition fee aside just so that way they can start getting better returns for their investor, make them a little more comfortable. Is that sure. something you guys do or? Um, I, I, I tend not to, I, I think that, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of work that goes into um, finding these assets, building relationships, you know, yep. all, a lot of stuff that goes into it. A lot of time, dedication, a lot of nights. Um, so I think that it's, it's kind of, um, if you're going to get into a, a business, again, it is a business uh, yep. where, you know, you're, you're not even going to pay yourself. Uh, that's, it's kind of, <laughs> it gets a little challenging that way. So I mean, really you could totally justify charging a fee at closing. Totally. Yeah. 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 And, and, and just from, like I said, uh, you know, a year, almost 18 months just to close on that property. 
a lot of back and forth, a lot of conversations, a lot of driving for the property. And there still will be more of that um, you yep. know, after that fact. Um, so I just think that it's, it, as an investor, someone who's invested in a syndication, I, I totally understand how much is, is involved. Um, I'm okay with paying that to the people who put that deal together. Because in the yeah. end, they brought an opportunity to me to invest in. And yeah, I'm also appreciative great. of that. <laughs> Very appreciative of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. For the attorneys, I know there's actual attorneys that specialize in syndications and SEC um, yeah. rules and regulations. Talk to me about the cost that it, it was to set up these syndications. I, I believe um, there's special forms, the PPM, if I'm correct, if I'm yeah. saying that correct. Um, yeah. th there's many different forms, agreements. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's definitely a piece um, to the puzzle that's very expensive. So um, when you start getting into syndications, you know, you really want to be really sure if you want to move forward with the property. Once you start hitting certain um, dates and deadlines, you know, money starts going hard and you don't get it back. Mm -hmm. um, and one of them is, is when you start making a decision to start paying the SEC attorney uh, to start drafting documents and to start moving forward with the uh, securities, uh, the private placement memorandum, the PPM there. Um, so that's when stuff really money's lost at that point if you have to back out of the deal. Right, um, right. So first is really just doing really good due diligence um, before you get to that point with any of your attorneys. Um, but yeah, so those those documents alone, I've seen them easily over ten thousand, but some of them I've seen over twenty thousand. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, you, you really you, you're really gonna have to, and that might be upfront cost. That might be cost. It, it's sometimes it's negotiable. So when you're talking with your SC attorney. Uh, you can ask them, you know, like, how do you guys need to be paid? Can I pay you at closing? How much has to be up front? Right. Don't just there? assume it's going to all yeah. come at once at closing. Maybe they need exactly. more in advance. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it can kind of vary. But overall, I mean, it's still an expensive piece. And that's why usually when I tell people, if you're going to syndicate a property, I, I've typically seen maybe it's around 60, could even be around 70, depending on your market. But 60 and above is, is kind of like that cut number where right. I think that it just, it, economies of scale work for you and they're in, in, uh, more in favor for your deal. If you can find a syndicated deal at least 60 units and above. Um, um, so, so yeah, so I, easily you can, you're going to come across that 20, $30,000 range potentially. It's a large that. initial yeah. investment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might find some cheaper options out there for sure. Um, but, and you can shop around. Um, and I'm, I'm sure once you do multiple deals with them, it'll, not extremely go down, but yeah. some of those documents can be repeated reused or, Hey, we, we know exactly what we're doing. We could speed this up a little bit. We know exactly how you guys function. So that makes sense. Where yeah, did you, um, where did you find these SEC attorneys? Oh uh, yeah. So uh, Derek that, that put this syndication together, he actually had one in mind. It was a, uh, I believe it was Kim, the syndication attorney. Uh, remember, I think it's in, it might be syndication attorney LLC. I forgot exactly her uh, webpage. So they specialize um, in that asset class. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. She does. She specializes in doing SEC, um, SEC law, basically. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I mean, depending on whatever, it doesn't really matter what state you're in. If you if you somehow come across, let's say you want to purchase an asset in, in New York, and you're working with an SEC, SEC attorney that happens to also be able to be your attorney, you know, which is awesome. Without, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you might be able to get away with that. Um, but in most situations, I've seen your SEC attorney and your state attorney are two different people. Um, so you're looking at two different fee structures based on dealing with that. Um, yep. But you definitely need somebody local in that state who understands the local laws that can actually practice in that state and work okay. out real estate for you. So, um, 
it's definitely something during your interview process when you're trying to grow your team. You just got to right. ask these questions to them and understand how they need to be paid and compensated so you can kind of properly budget for, for that project. Okay. Yeah. So when you got started, when you first found real estate and you started to learn about it, where were you going to gather information? What were you reading? What were you listening to? Tell us about some resources because I'm sure people listening to this are also asking the same thing in their head. Well, this guy knows what he's talking about with syndications. He's, he's done it. 60 units, 24 right. units. How can I learn just like he has? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> a lot of late nights. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with a family. How many kids do you have? Uh, yeah, I actually, we have two boys and we're, we're actually expecting a baby girl in July. Congratulations. What's yeah, going on with everyone I've had on the podcast recently? Everyone's popping out kids. Oh, man. It's going to be fun. It's definitely, you can probably see the picture there. Uh, yep, yep. There. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so, you know, looking forward to it. It's, uh, you just got to, it's, you got to make the time, honestly. Uh, the only way I really found to be able to, to absorb the information, the education, uh, books, podcasts, travel, uh, you know, you, you just got to get less sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you still want to be present and, and be able to participate with the family. Kind of right, you got to find the time for it. Uh, what yeah. were some of those books you read? Oh, man. Um, David Lindell has a couple of books that I read. Sure. Yeah, I think it was, ABC, it was ABC's Real Estate. Oh, that one was a pretty good one. I did a lot of audiobooks as well because I, 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 for my W2 job, I usually have to drive to Rochester. So when I'm driving there, I'll just throw them on and I'll listen to them. So either podcast or, or some other type of audible book. Okay. But, uh, Joe Fairless had a syndication book. He also yep. had a syndication book. So I think after you've read or listened to a couple of them, you're going to get pretty good concept and pattern of, of what's involved in this and, and what, right. you're, what you're going to need to do. So really the next question for, for people I usually tell them is that, what is your strong point? You know, what is it that you want to focus on that you can feel that you can do really well, that you can add value to a team. And mm -hmm. then if you're building a team, you can find other people who complement your weaknesses to kind of help uh, grow that. So, so that's kind of the one thing I, I would, I would suggest. Now it's kind of challenging. If you have no experience, you might be able to do a couple of deals first before you might decide what that is. Yeah. I mean, even if it's just a small deal to, to get the feel of it. I mean, yeah. That's what I tell people all the time. They're like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? I said, obviously, you need to get educated first. So that's it. whether that's spending two months or a year reading, listening to podcasts, talking to people, networking, that's yeah. huge. I always tell people also don't get in the analysis paralysis stage where you're just analyzing deals, looking at properties continuously until the point where your eyes are bloodshot and you don't actually you know, go with a deal. I always tell people to learn how to swim, you have to jump in the water. So if that means yeah. you have to buy a property go for it. I mean, even sure. if it doesn't make you that much money, it doesn't matter because what you really spent the money on was learning using to get experiences. Cause I mean, you could read every single real estate book out there, listen to every podcast, talk to every person, but yeah. you will never learn until you actually do it. You can't purchase kicking out a tenant, giving them a notice. You can't purchase a hot yeah. water tank going out and, and that actual emotion that you have when they say they have no hot water and that you need to replace a tank, something like that. So I think right. that's huge for the, the learning aspect of people. Yeah, um, completely. Yeah. It's definitely a process um, going through and going through anything really is a process. I mean, look at some of the amount of money some people would spend on just their college education. I mean, mm -hmm. why would you not try to do that here and try to really uh, absorb as much as you can and invest that kind of time. So I highly recommend it. If you, if you uh, know somebody in your area, 
know, especially if you have any friends or family and you can talk and reach out to them and say, you know, you guys know anybody who's already doing real estate. I would like to meet up with them. I am time lunch, breakfast, coffee, and just try to pick their brain. Uh, I did yeah. plenty of that. I do that all the time. I was actually just meeting with people last night, like, you know, last night, two nights ago, eight, nine o'clock at night. So it's, it's just part of the business. So you just have to basically keep networking, uh, keep absorbing information. I'm always getting different nuggets. You know, I've also traveled to different real estate events. Uh, I've been to uh, RE Mentor has a really good one, Ultimate Partnering mm -hmm. in Boston. Uh, I've been down in Texas. I've been Dealmaker Live events. I've been all over the place. I'll be in, uh, I'll actually be in Colorado next month for Joe Fairless's event. Okay, at, nice. At so, so you just, and the reason I do that is because, you know, people can consistently see you then they are like, okay, they're building a relationship by constantly yep. seeing you show up. And if you're going to show up once and just disappear, and then, you know, two years later, you're going to hit them up and say, Hey, I found a deal. I kind of want to do this. You know, they're, it's a little more challenging for them to trust you. And so, uh, so for real estate, you, you constantly have to get out there and meet people and talk and network. It's just, it's, it's a people business. It's just a it is. Yeah. It's, it's not a, a behind a desk business. You're definitely right. hands-on. I think networking is, networking is a huge part. You host the syndication apartment building or uh, apartment complex meetup group, which is great. I mean, we have different faces all the time. A lot of times we have the same maybe group of five to 10 people. And you know, you could tell those people are kind of serious. They're actually gaining knowledge and networking. Exactly. And, and then, you know, with my group, it's the same thing. So Definitely to people that are listening, that are looking to get started, go to such as the bigger pockets page or meetup.com and just look for a real estate investor group or meetup in your community. And I, I always tell people not to be ashamed because odds are they get there. 68% of the people there have never done a single deal. Yeah, um, true. <laughs> which there's nothing wrong with that because no, you have to start uh, somewhere. Start but somewhere. but um, I remember, well. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. You're around people, right? You're just, you want to surround yourself. They always say that saying that you're the average of five people surround yourself with so that's very yeah. very true uh, I, I gotta say uh, something that helped me a lot uh, Dante was when I was getting discouraged or I would see how long it would take to do all this and how much work was involved or maybe I wasn't getting any success uh, you flip on that podcast and that person's even though they're mm -hmm. far far away they're almost next to you trying to keep you motivated and you know you can listen to different people get interviewed and it just helps you out so it definitely helped me out plenty of times yeah, I mean that's huge, and this is a this is a very discouraging business. There's there's no <laughs> doubt about it. Um, I I think especially if you're in the smaller asset class of like duplex, triplex, single families, you're analyzing so many more deals because there's so many more out there versus those big apartment complexes. There's not that many for sale, and you analyze them. You're like, oh, this one works. You go see it. You're like, oh gosh, this is not what I thought. Or you go put an offer, and there's five other offers, and it's definitely discouraging. And what you said about you know putting on a podcast and someone's from a distance and you get encouraged. Um, like when I go to meetups, I go to a meetup and we, we go from like maybe seven to nine or seven to 10 and it's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm done. I'm just like, I'm, I'm pumped. Like, let, let's go. I'm going to go. I, I get home. I hop in the MLS. I'm like, there's gotta be something on here. It's been here that I'm missing. You know, uh, I that, that's how it is. And I think that's, uh, again, cause emotion plays such a big role in all of this and anything really. And, when I go to these meetups, when I go to these events, after I do a podcast or I finish reading a book, I'm just yeah. like, all right, let's go apply this. Let's do it. 
Yeah, I actually met my business partner, uh, Bill Keast, on Bigger Pockets. So I saw okay, that was gonna be my around. next question. How'd you meet him on yeah, Bigger Pockets? Yeah, actually, I was just I was chatting around, I looked around, I'm like, wait, that, that guy lives right near me almost. Well, then I, I private messaged him, I'm like, hey, I think we have similar goals. Let's meet up for coffee and, and see if we can help each other out. And sure enough, now we're in two deals together. So. Uh, which is you know that's awesome and i i met one of my my contractors at one of the meetups i met my commercial lender at one of the meetups you know and that's why i think those are so important and you never realize how many people around you are doing the same thing until you go to one of these events like i show up to one and there was like 25 people i was like what how like and you start running into the same people and over and over again i had a bidding war basically with this one guy these two guys i knew and I didn't know they invested and I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's important. Uh, you know, you, you bring up a good point. Like you went to the meetups, you found a resource that you needed, mm-hmm. you took action and just did it. Maybe that person will work out. Maybe it won't, but you just took action, which is really important. So sometimes people might go to these meetups and, you know, they know they might need to build a relationship with a loan officer and there's one sitting there, but they don't really take the time to just get to know the loan officer yep. like they should and just, and just take action. So um, the same thing with a contractor. Contractors, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But Most of the time they don't work I, out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, I think that's huge. I've been to, I, I mean, at, at least 12 to 15 meetups. I've also, you know, I host my own and I have been able to say I've taken away something from every single meetup. Uh, Whether that's one, I'm sitting there in front of a group of 20 people who have have no idea what real estate is and I'm breaking down deals, answering questions. If I take one thing away from that night, it was totally worth my hour, two hours that I invested into it. I mean, again, every single meetup I've gone to, I've networked with someone, I've met someone and I've been able to take some value away. And the other thing is there's so much free information out there. There's so much free quality information out there. Uh, I'm not going to say, you know, the paid stuff is crap because it's not. I know, you know, it, it's it's a hefty bill, but it's totally worth it. You you get really in-depth, but um, obviously books aren't free. But going on the bigger pockets forums, going to these meetups with the internet at our fingertips, you can learn anything about anything real estate within a yeah. matter of minutes. So I Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of powerful tools out there now. I think even... Um you know, software is really going to change and evolve. I'm sure you're seeing it yourself with oh, yeah. real estate. It's going to start changing things for sure. So uh, it's still people business though. You still got to get out there and meet people. Um, it definitely is. And uh, the other thing is, you know, you, you'll never be able to satisfy everyone. A, a lot of yeah. times in a deal, you're going to, some people are going to get pissed off because they're not getting their way. And, sure. and we see that a lot. I remember going to my first meetup and I was just, I was so nervous. I was so scared. I'm like, I, cause I was, you know, I'm 21 yeah, years old. I'm super now. young. Yeah. And I'm just like this little kid. I'm like, I'm going to show up to this thing and there's going to be a bunch of people who are like, like huge, have hundreds of properties. And I like get there and they're just like, we we go halfway around the room and I don't think, I think one person owned property. So I was like, Oh, this is great. Like I'm, I'm right at home. This is good. So I think that's huge. Yeah. I I think that's definitely something that you say, something I had to really do and step out of my comfort zone and constantly keep doing that to grow. Um, Because it's really easy to just, dabble into it and then eh, it doesn't work and then just stop and go back and watch Netflix. You know, so you got to keep yeah. pushing yourself and pushing yourself. There ain't no Netflix involved with what we're doing. Let me tell you, no, we don't have the time no. for that. So Jamie, tell me about a hurdle you had to overcome throughout all of this, through this journey. Cause this is a very big journey. This is a huge step. Yeah. Um, most people see purchasing a car or a house, one car, one house as their biggest purchase they'll ever make their, you know, their biggest opportunity. Um, and what we're doing is 
obviously well above what people expect. So talk, talk to me yeah. a little bit about the, the shortcomings, the, what you had to overcome throughout the process. You know, I, I think really it's the mind shift. Just getting your mindset in a place where you, you see, I mean, think about it. Kind of rinse and repeat culture. You know, we look, I look around, I see so many people doing the same thing, mm-hmm. and they're either expecting different results, or right. not good. They're going to have the same result, and to step out of that, like you're the oddball person. Like, why? Why are you doing that? That's, mm-hmm. that's, are you sure you want to do that? It's amazing how many people ask you that. Are you sure you want to do that? You, yeah, you those are the people's advice you do not take. Yeah, right, exactly, and that's the key part about when you when you're trying to do something like that, you want to have a support system where you can surround yourself by those people to help with that. So for me, um, I found that I had to really embrace that support system. Uh, I had to really step out of my comfort zone, trying to grow, uh, trying to just see what I'm capable of doing. You know, if I died tomorrow, would I be happy with what I've achieved? And and, and, I, and the other part of that too is now that I have kids, I want to show them the same thing. I think it's kind of silly that as we raise kids, we tell them they can do anything, they can be anything. Yet as adults, we're so scared to do that ourselves. Like we it's true. Yeah. Stop. I think the creativity that we're all capable of doing is, is phenomenal. We can create lots of different businesses, and, uh, but you're going to fail probably at you know 80% of them, which is okay. That's how, that's how you learn. Uh, you're going to be successful eventually, but uh, mm-hmm. I think we're really scared to fail. So for me, I just had to overcome that fear of just failing at this. Yep. And, uh, and, but you know, it's, it's working out. Um, it's, it's a slow process. And I think part of that is because everybody's at a different stage in their lives. Definitely. So, for somebody who has kids, you know, you obviously know your time and what you can allocate. Uh, if you're somebody who's uh, single or, or younger, uh, you know what time you can allocate. So, you know, yep. you can get totally different results based on that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's great. Uh, but just keep pushing yourself. Uh, it can be challenging. There'll be days when you're just going to want to quit. That's all right. I mean, just take a break from it for a day or two and then come back. Yeah, no, that's good. That, yeah. No, that's, that's really good. I think you broke that down pretty well. Um, so with your family, cause you, you do have, you have two kids, one coming, you have your wife, how was it getting your wife on board or explaining this all to her? Was she on board right away? Did it take some convincing or was she just like, all right, and this is going downhill pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll copy this. I have a phenomenal, she's so supportive to be successful with this. If you do have a spouse or significant other, um, and depending on what level you want to go into this, it's really funny. Even at some of the real estate uh, meetups I've been to in the last, just a few weeks here, a lot of older uh, gentlemen or even women say how their how their significant other was not on board with them just owning you know 20 units or 10 right units. and that's why i ask yeah yeah i mean it's just they're just like nope they what well, they wanted nothing to do with it they didn't really like it, it had such a hard time you know and, and they've been with that person for 20 years owning real estate <laughs> so it's kind of interesting but obviously they've done well because of the you know, markets and they've seen those results so you know they're happy now and they're thankful that they did but uh, I think for me, uh, getting your spouse on board is, is a key aspect. Really, it comes down to just sitting down, understanding your goals as a family, and understanding you know where you guys want to be in six months, twelve months, and a couple of years, yeah. and what tasks will help you get there as fast as possible, and really provide you the ability to do things that you want to do with your lives. So um, when you can break it down in a sense that you can show how this could help them as well as you personally. Yeah, it benefits everyone. Yeah, yeah. So that was key. Uh, so that that but I, I have a support. She's a social worker, so she's our. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's. Uh, I'm. So I'm. I'm engaged. I'm getting married in March here soon, and so my, my fiance. Thank you. Thank you. That's very exciting. My uh, 
my fiance, she's super on board with everything. At, at, at first she was just like the, the type of person she is. Yeah. She, she listens. So I, I'm telling her about all this and she's not just like, Oh, you're an idiot. That's crazy. Like these <laughs> right. are huge. What are you talking about? She's like, she's listening, you know, she's taking yeah. what I'm saying. She's observing what I'm doing. She's like, okay, I kind of see this. And then she got on board. Then she, I explained some kind of numbers with her and how it all worked. And she listened when I'd be on the phone, talking work, talking business. Cause I'm also a real estate agent. She would listen. She would take things in and she knew it, Cause she's smart. She's a smart little cookie. And uh, <laughs> then I, then I started giving her my books to read and she pounded through one in like three days, 250 pages. I was like, okay. And she's like, yeah, I get these concepts. These make sense. So that's why like, I'm also, I'm very excited to have kids with all this. Cause they get to grow up, they get to watch all this and they get to start even younger than me. So I think that's really exciting. And you know, the same thing for you, your kids are, are fairly young. So they're going to start seeing all this as they grow up. It's just, it's funny, you, uh, it's funny. You remind me of something else I did too, where, um, in my office, um, my wall, you can't see it in this direction, but, um, you know, I created a vision board and I, um, I basically put different things on there that I wanted to achieve. And one of them was actually owning the property that we just closed on today. And I had that on there for almost a year now. Doesn't and that I feel just, so good? <laughs> awesome. It's really cool. Now there's also a Shelby Mustang that's on there that I don't own yet, but still, it's still nice. Yeah. Clue or yeah, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it is. It yeah. is. I, I put certain things on there. And one of the reasons that I was really looking forward to having this property in particular, because it isn't too far from where I live. And I always said, you know, I enjoy thought of bringing my young boys over there and soon to be daughter over there and just teaching them, you know, the fundamentals of other ways they can create wealth in their lives. Um, so it's just very humbling. I'm, I'm, I'm excited and looking forward to doing it. Yeah. And, and doesn't it just feel good that you accomplished one of those goals that you put up there and yeah, uh, yeah. where you say with the, with the car next to it, that's where the next hard part is because you get all this yeah. money, you start to get this cash flow coming in and you want to yeah. spend it. You want to save it up for this, that, but then you really have to reinvest it. You just got to keep, you know, you, you gotta leverage yourself in compounding in this business is super, yeah. super important. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's just like a real estate or stock market investing, you know, the compounding aspect, you can keep pulling money out, but you really want to keep putting it back in. So uh, I think Brian Murray actually, you know, he, that you were talking about earlier, he, he actually did that for quite a bit. He was a school teacher. Uh, so he kept you know yep. getting victories and victories and victories and he didn't take that money out and use it. He kept putting it back in putting it back in. The system. Yeah, it was like, seven or eight years he said that he was yeah. investing while teaching which yeah. if if i was him and I, i'd get really tired of working i'd be like all right let's yeah, let's go do this thing full time so good for him yeah and that's a good point so and i recognize that myself i'm like i i do have a good paying job so uh that it is helping me in my business endeavor uh, to support this so uh, just trying to quit it next year might not be a practical thing i might i might have to do this for right how long can you stick it out for right and exactly so you're uh you're obviously going to help me get uh, Brian on the show here, right? You're going to him on. That would be sweet. I would love to sure. just cause he, just cause he's got so much experience under his belt where yeah. we're fairly newer at this, but we still have have done our, our tasks here for it. So yeah. And, and that's the wonderful thing about syndication is that you could, like I said, you could syndicate anything and mm -hmm. uh, mobile home parks. I know he's doing a lot of that now and there's a lot of other asset classes storage. So it's, it's exciting. It's fun. It's for me when I used to drive around, you no, know, I had the, the mindset, you know, oh, I'll never, I'll never be able to own that. Or maybe someday I can own that. And now when I drive by stuff like this, I go, who have I got a partner with? In this? You know, right. Exactly. Completely different. <laughs> it's that's, great. 
that's the only downfall of real estate is you can't go anywhere without looking at something and being like, what's yeah. the value on that building? Who owns that? How much is it rented for? It's just yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's like a, a, a dog squirrel, you know, every time you drive around somewhere. That's <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. It is. I don't want to lie. It's addicting. I mean, it's, and it's everywhere. So in every state, uh, so it's, yeah, it but is. It really is. And it's an awesome thing. So I'm just very blessed, very thankful to, you know, have the opportunity to do this type of investing. And I'm sure you are too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I do wish I started, you know, I always say that 10 years ago, but then I look at it. Well, at least I'm not starting 10 years from now. So. Yeah, that, that's huge. You're, you're doing it now instead of, you know, pushing it off or, or forgetting about it. Oh, I'll get back into it when this, this and that. So again, that's, right. I think yeah. that's huge. Uh, it's never too late to get started. I don't care if you're, you know, 20 or, you know, 60, it's never too late because it, it all ends up working out well. So Jamie, I just want to thank you so much for being on the podcast tonight, being on the show. Yeah. Uh, it was great having you on here. I think a lot of people can just relate with you where you're at with a family, having kids, you know, still working a little bit, but starting to do these projects and, and you've shot off pretty quick in a short period of time. So I, I respect that a lot too. You've acquired a lot of units with your partners. That's, I'm sure that feels great as well. Um, Thanks anything you'd like to uh, leave the audience with before we sign off here? Uh, yeah, you know, just uh, keep working on it, guys. Keep surrounding yourself with different people. Keep talking with different people. Um, for me, things became a little more real when I started telling my family, this is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so then I just, every time I saw them, you know, they, I, I knew I couldn't avoid that conversation. I had to say, yeah, this is what I've been doing. Here's kind of what I've been able to achieve. Now I'm getting some results. It's great. Uh, but it definitely became more real when I started doing things like that. Uh, so uh, you know, create some goals, get some education, and then you're going to start partnering and figuring out what your strong suit is. And once you understand what you want to focus on, that's when you want to partner with other people who can help you with your weaker points. Uh, but it's, it's totally doable. Anybody can do this. Uh, it's not an easy, quick thing. Uh, you got to dedicate some time to it, but anybody can do this. So, but I appreciate you having me on Dante. It was great talking with you. And Jamie, how can someone reach out to you if they want to contact you or just learn more about what you do or even possibly invest with you? Yeah, sure, definitely. Um, we got the webpage. Uh, it's arnoldequities.com. So A R N O L D E Q U I T I E S dot com. And, uh, or you can email me at jamie at arnoldequities.com. Thank you, Jamie, for uh, coming on. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode. We really appreciate you guys coming and we hope to see you come back. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you took something away from today's episode. For more information, you can find us on Instagram at Dante Belmonte. See you next time.